I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Bucs host the Arizona Cardinals. That's right, they host the Cardinals at Raymond James Stadium, a place they haven't been for 49 days on Dale Mabry. Remember that stadium? Well, they're going to be there this Sunday. Kyler Murray with his just four interceptions against the Bucs and Jameis Winston coming off his best game in Seattle. The world tour is over. We'll break down the Bucs and Cardinals with Eduardo Encina with the Tampa Bay Times. And we're going to talk to Diana Neros from Stockholm, Sweden, with the Tampa Bay Lightning play the Buffalo Sabres this afternoon and tomorrow as well. And we'll get an update on Victor Hedman. We've got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Versnick. All right, my buddy cop Eduardo Encina joins us now. Uh, first and foremost, Eduardo, I know the Bucks are happy to be home. I'm happy to be home. There's no mountains to climb in Tampa Bay. I seem safe for a Saturday. Um, seriously, though, I mean, you've, you've been on all these road trips, and I, I tried to relate this a little bit. Uh, I was talking on the radio earlier. You know, we're not 25-year-old professional athletes. You're probably closer to that than I am, but – this is this has been a real deal. Like this this schedule is no joke. Like nobody is going to care. They're two and six. They've made a, a ton of mistakes. They've definitely cost themselves games with the way they played. Um, but I don't think it can be overestimated. Like what impact this schedule has had. Yeah, I mean, I'm tired. I know you're tired. I'm tired. You're, <laughs> yeah, I'm tired. You're, ti- you're tired in part because you walked up a mountain on Saturday because I made you. <laughs> But That's true. um <laughs> Rattlesnake Ridge, baby. Yeah, so should have got a t shirt or something, man. They, they they weren't selling t shirts up, up at the top of the mountain, unfortunately. No, no. Um but anyway, I mean, yeah, I mean yeah, like it's been no joke. I mean, it's it's and like you said, I mean, no one's gonna no one's gonna give them sympathy. You know, they they fly in these you know, charter planes and, you know, they have sure. the best, you know, they have trainers and everything else. They've, they've done, they've had the whole sports science department analyze everything from their heartbeats to their compression socks. But, um, but yeah, I mean, but again, I think I said this last week, it's like still no one knows how the human body reacts to travel, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, do you guys sleep on planes? Do they are, are not able to sleep on planes? You know, uh, you know, just the, the, the time differences, you know, and, and, you know, this week they're they're, you know, they had to fly back across the country as as, as long of a of a flight as you're going to have, you know, through the continental U.S. from Seattle back here, and uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it's still gonna it's still gonna matter, you know, it's it's, uh, you know, th- there's going to be some residual this week, you know, even though they are playing at home, uh, but but no question, it's it's been a challenge. The schedule makers didn't do them any favors. They they said as much after they did it, um, but uh, you know. I think we all looked at, at, at this season as kind of, uh, you know, twofold, you know, two, two kind of parts and two major parts. And one was going to be, you know, after this, you know, bef- during this stretch of, of games and, and one at the end. So th- the good thing for them now is that they can look back, look at this, you know, this, this next eight games and, you know, really at the midseason mark and kind of be like, you know, 
at the very least, we're not going to have to go through all that. You know, we're not going to have to go through all the travel. You know, five of their next eight are, are at home. You know, really, they really essentially they only have really two really road trips. You know, Jacksonville is just a short jaunt across the state. You know, Atlanta's not really a, you know, much of a, of a, of a flight. You know, obviously Detroit's a little bit longer, but all of the, the, the real travel is really behind them now. So, you know, but, but mm-hmm. again, we, we've talked about this before is that, you know, you know, they haven't won a home game yet. So as much as, as we make about, you know, the, the stretch being at home, you know, they still got to, you know, make it, make it matter, you know? Yeah. And in fact, uh, to that point, they haven't won a home game since last December. I mean, Santa yeah. Claus was warming up the sleigh when that happened. So it's been a very, very long time. They play the Arizona Cardinals, which, of course, uh, a lot of connections. Uh, obviously, you know, Bruce Arians um, was a head coach there and, you know, very successful, took his team to the NFC Championship game, um, you know, had three winning seasons right off the bat and then retired for health reasons. Now, a lot of those players aren't still there. Steve Kayyem, the GM, is, and, of course, Larry Fitzgerald and some others. Um, but this is a different Cardinal team than the one that Bruce Arians is, is used to and used to seeing. And it's interesting in that, you know, the Cardinals went a totally different direction, right? They get Cliff Kingsbury, the Texas Tech head coach, who was 39 at the time when they uh, hired him. And then they jettisoned Josh Rosen, who they had taken in the first round the year before, to draft Kyler Murray with a first overall pick. And, boy, I, I must say I've been very impressed with Kyler Murray because that is not a good Arizona offensive line. Uh, you know, Larry Fitzgerald, God bless him, he's still a great player. He's, you know, in like his 20th season. Um, but they don't have a ton of weapons, right? I mean, Dave, David right. Johnson obviously can run the football. But Kyler Murray has only four interceptions all year. It's it's very rare for a young quarterback to come in and protect the football like this. I kind of look at this game, and, and I, I remember watching them play the 49ers, and I was sort of impressed with them even though they lost the game. This seems to be like it's going to be a high-scoring affair that you're going to have, right. you know, the young, up-and-coming, scrambling, throwing quarterback of the Cardinals against Jameis Winston, who's coming off his best game of the year. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a pretty high-scoring game. I think you know, as much as it's about you know offenses that can produce points, it's also about defenses who can't stop points too. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I think the Cardinals allow something like 407 yards a game. You know, so that's you know I think that's 31st or 30th or 31st in the league. And you know, obviously, we, we know about the you know we've written ad nauseum about the Bucks defense and how much they've they've struggled to uh, to contain. Uh, you know, to, to not allow points on the scoreboard. So, you know, this is going to be this is going to be an offensive game. And like you said, I mean, it, what, what is interesting, I think, is like you mentioned, the fact that a rookie quarterback like Kyler Murray, you know, he hasn't made many mistakes. You know, he's only turned the ball over four times. Um, and you know, from listening to you know some of the players talk in the locker room this week, you know, and and you know, we talked to him on Wednesday after they you know they had seen some tape of of, of Kyler Murray. And they were like, you know, I think Jason Pierre-Paul said it. He said, you know, he's faster than Russell Wilson, you know. So, mm. uh, you know, he, he's he's a guy who is – if Russell Wilson gave him some problems in terms of, of not being able to, you know, get get to the quarterback, you know, this guy might give him even more problems. So that's that's a, that's an interesting facet to it. Uh, but, you know, in the same vein, you know, neither one of those guys, you know, turned the ball over very much. So, uh, you know, I think it'll be interesting, and it, it will come down to again, as much football games do, is you know who uh, you know who who makes the mistakes, and you know the Cardinals for for what they are, they 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 haven't made many. Um, they at the same time they don't really 
you know, have many takeaways either. I think only, you know, I think, I think they rank pretty low. I think they only have two interceptions as a secondary and I think mm-hmm. five, five fumble recoveries. So they, they don't, they don't take as much as they don't turn the ball over. They don't get it either. So, um, you know, that'll be interesting. I think it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, mentioned David Johnson, he's coming back from an injury. You know, this is a team that just got Kenyon Drake in the trade from the Dolphins. He, he ran for a hundred yards, mm-hmm. uh, last week. So, you know, they they've got some weapons on the, in the running game, but as we know, the bucks are pretty good at, at stopping that, you know, Chris Carson mm-hmm. was the first, first guy who, uh, who had a 100 yard rushing game against them last week. But other than that, they're still the, the top run defense in the game. So, um, yeah, I think that'll be interesting to see too, but I, I predict this, this to be a game that, you know, both teams kind of score in the high, high twenties, you know, into the thirties. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, we'll see some scoring out there, Ray J today, uh, on Sunday. Yeah. And, and I think for the bucks, one thing that's uh, should be a little bit concerning um, is that as far as practice goes, and we'll find out, you know, what happens um, for the weekend. But as we do this podcast, at least, Carl Nassib has not practiced. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you you also have uh, uh, another defensive end, Anthony uh, Nelson, who is who is out as well, and Anthony Nelson, the rookie from Iowa. So, uh, I mean, basically, you know, you replace them with Cousin Daniels, who's coming off the practice squad. And Sam Acho, who you know used to play for the Cardinals, that's been out of football, uh, went to training camp with the Bills, and has just sort of been working out, knows yeah. the scheme. But basically, you know, we saw last week that Jason Pierre-Paul, in only his second game back, played over seventy-something snaps. Yeah, you're asking a lot of Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul simply because you now don't have that rotation um, that you're used to having. Yeah, I mean, I think those guys played, I think, 99 and 96% of the defensive snaps uh, last week, and, and that's a lot for both of them, you know. And, mm-hmm. and, and they're they're exceptional athletes, both of them. You know, we, we never question anything that Jason Pierre-Paul can do on the field physically, but that's still a lot of snaps, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if they don't get those guys, you're, you're throwing some guys into the fire, you know, pretty quickly. Um, but at the same time, you know, in the NFL, it's that next-man mentality, right? It's like you know, you're only as good as, as the next guy who's going to, you know, get on the field. So, you know, it'll test some of the depth, some new guys out there. But, um, you know, I, I still expect to probably see those guys, those two guys, Barrett and and, uh, and Pierre Paul uh, on the field a lot. And, you know, the, the key to that is, you know, having some sustained offensive drives. You know, I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the Bucks did play a lot on the defensive side of the ball, even though, you know, the Bucks scored 34 points. And, um so I think that's that's kind of the key. You know, it's going to be, you know, can, can the Bucks kind of sustain some some long drives, keep that defense off the field, and obviously, you know, not get force the defense on the field with some short fields and with turnovers. So, um, you know, it's not rocket science necessarily, but uh, I think that's kind of the key when, when you're hurt. And you know, the, the injuries are, you know, just looking at, at the the injury reports from both teams. I think over the past several weeks, we've seen these injury report sheets get a little longer, and you know everyone's kind of banged up. You know, the, the Bucks are a little banged up on, on offense too. Some, some, uh, you know, some, some kind of injuries to the, you know, offensive line guys like, you know, Ali Marpet and, you know, DeMar Dotson, those guys have been limited in practice, you know, this week, you still expect them to play, but um, you know, it's, it's every week, you know, I mean, even in Carlton Davis, who, you know, got hurt in the pregame last week, you know, he was a limited participant on Wednesday and, but did not practice today. He said he had a rib injury. So, um, you know, a lot of these are kind of, uh, you know, wait and see things. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, we know this, that the longer the, the, the season goes out, 
um, the more that the teams are tested with these injuries and the more that it's really the depth that kind of starts to have to have to show, you know, I mean, you know, who, who knows if how much, how many snaps Jamil Dean's going to play, you know, this week uh, after getting thrown into the fire. And as, as you well wrote, you know, last week during for the game, uh, you know, how, how much, you know, th- these guys are really going to get, get tested. You know, it's, it's as much as it's the starters, it's also, the second stringers and the depth that you've built and the depth you built over the course of the season. So I think this is the time of year where that really, really kind of has to show. Right. And, you know, the thing is about this defense is no matter what they do on the back end, they're just very young. And and you go from Carlton Davis, who's only in his second year, still waiting on his first interception. And then you go and you have to play a Jamel Dean who had only had three snaps in the regular season, you know, prior to last Sunday. And, you know, Dean, it was baptism by fire, but I think, you know, in talking to Todd Bowles, he's going to be better for it. He did make some plays, but it's it's just a young group, and they've been exposed. I mean, you know, it's not an accident that the passing yards are among the worst in the league, even though they're the best in the league against the run, or one of the best. So, you know, I just think that until those guys grow up, you're starting basically five rookies. You know, people forget this is the second youngest team in the NFL, and you know, after eight games, nobody cares. I mean, they're not rookies anymore. But it is something that I think that either Bruce Arians or Bowles or both may have underestimated just, you know, how quickly um, these young guys would come around. And they must have felt a need to have them because they drafted three of them after drafting three defensive backs last year. Right. And, and I think that, you know, Arians actually kind of admitted it yesterday when he we talked to us and he said, you know, I know we've we've always gone back to that that time. I think there was during OTAs when he said that the secondary was fixed, quote unquote fixed. And um, mm-hmm. you know, yesterday he said that uh, you know when when you're watching guys, you know, in, in in spring and summer, and they're in shorts and they look real good. You know, sometimes that can be a little bit of a of a, of a deceiver. Uh, you know, especially once you know the season starts and you see you know how rookies uh, you know adjust to you know, the speed of the game, the complexities of defenses, and just playing in games against, you know, NFL players. So, um, you know, at the same time, I think you've seen, you know, and we've seen some some of these guys kind of grow up a little bit, you know, even even the first eight games. You know, Sean Murphy Bunting was a guy who, you know, they they really didn't trust, you know, after some of those games, of the, I think the second preseason game, you know, he was completely lost out there. And, you know, he, he's really come on and, you know, obviously, when we talk about this defense and we talk about the rookies, it all kind of starts with Devin White, right, in terms of, you know, what he's going to be. And I think you asked the question today is, you know, that eventually, you know, this is going to have to become his defense. And, you know, the veterans that, that are kind of serve as the de facto leaders now, guys like you know, Jason Pierre-Paul, Levante David, you know, those guys are the leaders and they're going to be the leaders. But you know, eventually, you know, it's, it's really going to kind of come down to Devin White and, I mean, we've talked to, you know, there's been the story about how he, you know, gathered that group of rookies together once, uh, you know, they knew the Dean was going to start. And, you know, these are the guys who, you know, they went through the rookie process together that, you know, the, all those rookie classes and, and OTAs and during rookie minicamp. And, you know, they, they've bonded, they've created a really close bond. And, that you know, this was kind of the game where they, they kind of had to show, you know, this was on them, you know, and, you know, some guys performed well. Jamil Dean, as, as much as you know, he got burned on some routes and wasn't in the right spots. There were some plays. You know, there was one of those touchdowns where he was in the right. I mean, he just, you know, he was right there. He just couldn't make a play on a ball that was thrown pretty well, right at the right spot. You know, uh, there, there, he had four pass defenses, which you know, 
you know that that says you're getting you're you're getting in on on on, on plays. So um, these guys will learn. I think that you know, especially a guy like Jamil Dean, he, he's such a long guy. He has a lot of length. He he just looks like a guy who's going to emerge as, as, as you know. He's got that size. Uh, he he looks like a guy who who can be an NFL you know cornerback and can make some plays. So um, you know, it's not what fans want to hear, especially at two and six. That you know to be patient. That's not what this season's really you know, was supposed to be about, but, um, unfortunately for them, this is kind of what it's becoming, you know, it's, you're going to have to see, you know, these guys grow and, and it might take a little bit of time and, and we're, we're watching it, you know, kind of during the whole process. You know, we talked to white and I think the thing with him has been injuries, right? I mean, he started out, he had the knee sprain, he missed some time. Then he came back. He wasn't quite ready to play, you know, last week when he ran down the ball carrier and stripped him um, on that 59 yard run, he was clocked at 21.8 miles per hour, and now he's you know shed himself with the knee breast brace altogether. So as he becomes more confident, you can see physicality take over, and he's going to play faster. So I agree. I think I think you know that's going to have to be uh, the leader of that young group, and and eventually the defense as well. Um, and he'll have his hands full, but it's guys like Kyler Murray that he was brought in to stop because he has the speed to do it. So it'll be another big test for their young defense. Um, obviously a chance to uh, finally win a game and stay at home and, and try to have a better second half. There's still a lot of football left. I don't. I think the playoffs are certainly out of reach, but I think it's important for Bruce Arians and his staff uh, to do a lot of progress. So we will be there at Raymond James on Sunday. We appreciate you guys listening. Uh, as you- Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much. Like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Always do. And of course, my buddy cop, Eduardo Encina. Thanks so much, bud. Thanks for having me, Rick, as always. Okay, Diana Neros joins us now from Sweden, where she has been uh, for several days now. And, of course, the Lightning play the Buffalo Sabres this afternoon and tomorrow afternoon, as a matter of fact. Diana, first, give me an idea of uh, what the experience has been like, uh, both for yourself and for the Lightning. Um, And you wrote a story in the Tampa Bay Times about hockey in Sweden. It's a little different over there. Uh, It definitely is a little different over here. So, first of all, um, the experience has been – Great. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I've done more writing than exploring thus far, but I'm planning on uh, doing more exploring the next couple days here. Um, but I am currently walking down some very stereotypical old European cobblestone streets um, as we speak. So uh, there's there's that going for it. I mean, um, the Lightning has been kind of uh, exploring casually, I would say. Um, They've been to lots of different kinds of restaurants, and a couple of them hit up the Vasa Museum, which is a really cool museum that's actually a reconstructed old Viking ship that was made too top-heavy and sank before it got out of the harbor and somehow was intact hundreds of years later for them to raise and put in the museum. Um, So they've done some of the tourist stuff, but a lot of just, I think, kind of wandering and drinking... um, coffee or beverages for what they call Fika here. It's your standard coffee break. Um, you know, so I think they've just been enjoying that. But it's interesting. There is not a lot of, like, hype around the area for these games. You know, you're not walking around, like, seeing lots of NHL signs, 
people I talk to don't necessarily know it's happened, but the people who care know for sure that it's happening. Um, it's kind of one of those instances where uh, those who want to know about the NHL are all about it, and those who couldn't care less have no idea. <laughs> so it's been really interesting thus far. Yeah, and culturally, I mean, obviously a lot of people play hockey in Sweden. Um, in reading your story, I understand uh, it, it doesn't look or feel like an NHL game in that uh, they're they're much more into it with some some rhythmic cheering and, and uh, more like a I guess a European soccer game is that correct? Yes, that's definitely the comparison that's been made. Um, I'm also comparing it to like big time college football. For those who don't know what European soccer looks like either, <laughs> um, but it's a right. very engaged like specific song and chant kind of a vibe here. Um, people care very deeply about their hometown team. And the way it works here that's interesting is so one club, say, Jurgarten, for example, is the big one in Stockholm, but I'm kind of butchering how to say it, but they have a hockey team, they have a soccer team, they have uh, boxing, they have all sorts of different things, and some of them compete on like the highest national level, and some of them don't, but they all exist within the same organization. And then the, for even within the hockey, they have a professional level team, they have a juniors level team, and they have um, further teams under that through, down through youth hockey that, again, all function within this one organization. Um, so it creates a very different kind of atmosphere. You know, you're part of the club more than your a season ticket member, you know, because you might, like, be part of the boxing club at your garden, and then you go to the hockey games. And so you're not a professional athlete, but you're still a member of this club. So it makes, that's part of what creates this different vibe that, that feels much more passionate, even though obviously we know fans in the NHL are plenty passionate. It just comes across in a, in a different way. Yeah, very community-based uh, over there for sure. Uh, now, obviously, the NHL wants to grow the game, as most professional sports leagues do internationally, but what, what, were they, what is the NHL trying to gain um, you know, from, from this trip to Sweden with Buffalo and Tampa Bay? Um, it's about um, getting more eyes, getting more interest from fans, kind of showing what their product looks like. The NHL has been growing massively um, abroad and specifically looking in Sweden, um, they now have a broadcast partner who broadcasts all of the games, which are airing at like 1 a.m. here. And in the past, I believe it's two years, they've started doing a European game of the week. So for us, we don't think anything of it. It's just a game Saturday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, you can play matinees, sure. But here, that's broadcast at prime time and becomes the game of the week. So this week, the primetime games are obviously these two games being played in Stockholm. But next week, I don't remember what the game is, but, you know, it could be the, um, theoretically, if the Lightning were playing the Red Wings at 1 o'clock on a Saturday, that might be the game that's broadcast here in primetime. They don't play Detroit at 1 o'clock on a Saturday, but that's just, you know, your theoretical. But anyway, so that being broadcast has really helped grow the game, and this is just another fa- a chance to put the product in front of hockey fans here who kind of know what the NHL is. They know it's over there. They know it's the best league. They know there are great players, but they've not seen it live. Maybe they've mostly seen highlights in this one game a week. Um, so it's really about reaching out to those people 
And it's not so much new fans who are going to this game. Um, the tickets are a little pricey for a casual, like, hey, maybe I'll just check this out. But they're the people who they know the Swedish players and they know also the Sam Coast, the Vesilevsky, the Kucherov, and appreciate that skill and just want a chance to see that live. All of that kind of happens by bringing these games here. Yeah, the greatest players in the world are there, obviously. Uh, one of those, of course, uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning is Victor Hedman. This was an emotional sort of homecoming. He's not from Stockholm. He's about four or five hours away uh, in another town, um, but this is his country. So what has Hedman's uh, reaction to being uh, in his home country this week been like with his teammates, with him, with with, uh, with others? And, and what is his status? You know, because unfortunately he was unable to play uh, leading up to this game. So he has been really excited about this whole thing. And when you ask him about Stockholm in particular, he kind of takes a little bit of a step back because he is not from Stockholm, as you said. Um, he comes here a couple times a year. But to bring his team to Sweden, he is so passionate about being Sweden. Swedish, excuse me. As most of the players, um, you know, make sense. They're passionate about their countries. But sure. I think the Swedes somehow are on another level with that. They are so happy to talk about Sweden. And so it's been really great for him to have a chance to play here. Um, he is from, as you said, it's about 350 miles from here. His hometown. It has a long name, but he says they say Ovik. That's what they call it. Um, it is Ornolvik, but I have still not said that right. I promise. <laughs> but so he has been able to share, if not you know his favorite places, he's been able to share some of his culture and some of the things that he eats and you know that kind of stuff is here that he's sharing with his teammates and his friends that he's been living and playing with for the past you know, 10 years in the States, and now they're seeing, if not directly where he's from, the country that he's from. He was like 19 or 20 or 19 years old when he came uh, to the NHL. It's hard to believe he's been in the league this long. Um, is he a celebrity in, in, his, in his home country? I mean, do they, do they re, you know, regard him as, uh, you know, as, as one of their bigger athletes? Definitely. He is one of the best active Swedish NHL players, but also fans are very regional in the NHL players they like, just as they are with their team. So his biggest fans are the ones from his home area who are so excited to see him, versus then some of the Sabres have six Swedes and oh, wow. you know, from different areas of the country. A couple of them are actually from his hometown as well. So they're from different areas, and so there are some people from their hometowns or their home areas, you know, what we would think of, they don't have a political state, but like regions who are looking for them. And you have talked to some of the hockey fans here who say, you know, they want to see the alums from their teams do well in the NHL. And then there are players like, there's not really one currently, but a Peter Forsberg, for example, is the overarching, everyone in Sweden loves Peter Forsberg. He's from Ovik, like Hedman, but he is arguably the best Swede ever to play in the NHL. Um, Hedman says he's the best. There's some votes for a couple other players. But, sure. you know, so the fandom that they follow is very regional. But there's no doubt that of the seven Swedes the NHL has brought here this year, Hedman is the biggest singular name. You know, it's a long trip over there when you go to Europe, obviously. And uh, this team has uh, several new players on it that weren't on the team a year ago. 
in a way, is there an opportunity here? Uh, these guys travel a lot anyway, but maybe not for an extended period like this, uh, for, for this team to bond a little bit over, uh, over a long trip like this? It definitely is. And, you know, on one hand, they've been on the road for like the whole beginning of the season, so haven't they had chances to bond? But there's nothing like this where you come to a place that some of them have been before, but none of them know well. And so there's a little sense of going exploring together that isn't necessarily there when you go to Toronto or Ottawa. And so there's just a little bit of a different feel of being in this entirely different place. This is not part of their routine in any way. That definitely makes this a little bit different from a bonding perspective. And this is kind of one of those experiences that they'll always talk about that time we played in Sweden and share that with this team and these guys. Well, they'll talk more fondly of it, of course, if they can get a win or two. And uh, let, let's talk about where the Lightning are right now. I mean, uh, you know, 6-5-2, and two, uh, a minus three goal differential in, in the old cliche. If the playoffs started today, they would be on the outside looking in. So it's not the start that they had hoped for. Um, just uh, what's wrong with them right now? What, what are the areas that they need to clean up for them to start having some success? Well, what's wrong is that the playoffs don't start today. They are not playing <laughs> for today. They need a better long-term game than they had last year. Last year, they won games. They won 62 games. They need a lot of games look easy, and then they fell. And they're sort of rebuilding, obviously not in a big organizational way like the Rangers are right now. And they're not totally restructuring their identity. They're still going to be who they are. But they are reconfiguring a bit, and it's taking some time to put that all together. And the fact of the matter is the playoffs don't start today. They've played a small fraction of their season thus far, and they don't need to win everything like they did last year to get to the playoffs. So they're a little more focused on they need to get there, and they're you know, focus on getting there, but it's kind of more in how they get there this year and trying to put together a bit more of a refined game. They won some impressive games last year, but they rarely played a complete game. So they're trying to establish that complete game early. And it's frustrating to watch when you're like, okay, you have this skill, how are you not doing better? What the heck? But that's where it comes from, is taking the time to piece together the process of how they're playing. And then you see a game like even the win in New Jersey was ugly and not what they wanted to do. So it's taking longer than I think they would like to put those pieces together. But I'm still just not hitting the panic button yet. Um, There's just too many of the elements on this team, and it's too early to hit the panic button. So nothing's going exactly how they planned, but I'm still withholding my judgment to say that they're in trouble. Right. Yeah, it's very early in the season, as as you mentioned. Uh, but the team that they're playing today and and tomorrow, Buffalo is off to a pretty good start. And um, just what are they going to face in the Sabres team? And, and you know, I know they play back to back sometimes. You know, with Florida maybe in in Sunrise and then in Tampa the next night. But how unusual will this be to go consecutive games in the same arena with against that team? This is a very different situation in playing the same team in the same building consecutively. You almost never see this in the regular season. 
Uh, Buffalo was off to a great start, as you said. But here's the thing. They got off to a great start last year. They came into Tampa mm. having won, I believe, 10 straight games and were the talk of the league. And then they fell off and they didn't do anything and they still haven't made the playoffs. And this Buffalo team is better than that Buffalo team, but they're still not there yet. I'm still very skeptical of their start. I think they're doing the opposite of what the Lightning is doing, and the Lightning is starting slow and will pick up. And I think Buffalo will fall off somewhere along the way. And I would love to get on the train and be all about the Sabres because new blood is a great thing and getting different teams in the mix is a great thing. And I just I don't think they're quite there yet. It's going to take a little bit longer. Well, there should be two great games. Uh, let me ask you, if uh, if I didn't already, I apologize, but do, do we think Hedman's going to have an opportunity to play in either of these games? Probably. I can't say anything for sure, but I think he would pretty much have to not be able to walk to not get on the <laughs> ice in Sweden. <laughs> uh, obviously, they're going to be a little smarter about how they approach it than that, but it's going to take a lot for him not to have to play. To, it's going to take a lot for him to not be able to play. All right, and one final touristy thing. What's the best food you've had there since you've been there? I know they're big on their oh. cinnamon buns and, and such. I had a cardamom bun yesterday. It's take on their traditional cinnamon bun, but with cardamom. That was fantastic. That was very good. I think probably, though, might not be a popular answer. I had reindeer the other night, and it was very good. It's similar to venison and just like gamey red meat. You know, it's got that similar taste, and it was really good. And my sister's going to yell at me that I ate comment, and that's not okay, but I'm, that might be my favorite thus far. <laughs> okay. Well, but I have well, more days to eat more things. So stay tuned to TampaBay.com for my travel vlogs and find out. Absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's a must-read. It's been fun watching you uh, travel over there in Sweden and reading uh, what, uh, what you've encountered, and we'll make sure that the kids uh, you know, know that this is not Santa's reindeer. This is, this is a different animal altogether uh, no. for those that are listening no, to the Santa's podcast. No, reindeer but... are still at the North Pole and not in Stockholm. Important point. So there you go. So, yes, a totally a totally different animal. So, she's Diana Neros. You can read her on TampaBay.com from Sweden where the Lightning will play the Buffalo Sabres today and tomorrow afternoon and we'll be uh, looking forward to uh, all of her reports. Thanks, Diana. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. As always, my thanks to Diana Nero. Sounds like uh, she's having a great time over there in Stockholm. Big college football weekend, of course. The big one is LSU at Alabama College. Game day is there. Lots of national title implications in that one. Penn State's at undefeated Minnesota and P.J. Fleck. That'll be quite a game. Ranked number four, the Nittany Lions. And then Wisconsin is at Iowa. Of course, uh, in the state, Florida tries to rebound from their loss to Georgia to go against Vanderbilt. And then it's Florida State at Boston College under interim coach Odell Hagan. So we've also got the big one at Raymond James. That's right. If you can find your way out to Dale Mabry, the Bucks will be home for a change against the Arizona Cardinals. So we appreciate you guys listening. We're here every Monday through Friday. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. 